This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's the Bartender Journey Podcast, number 178. My name's Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. This is the podcast all about cocktails and bartending and spirits. Well, today we have some more coverage from Tales of the Cocktail 2016. We're going to talk with Tim Master about chartreuse. We'll also chat with Jim Meehan a bit and uh, an interesting lady named Jetta Bates, who uh, I just happened to sit next to her at a Hendrix Gin event during Tales. And uh, she's a cocktail enthusiast and creator of the Jetta Setting Travel Blog. First, we have to thank our supporter, Partender. Bartender Journey is brought to you this week by Partender, which helps you do inventory ordering and get real-time insights on what's moving in your bar in minutes versus hours. The team at Partender wants to make inventory easier and help increase transparency and happiness for everyone. So bartenders, managers, and owners can come together to build better beverage programs. So get on over to partender.com. That's P-A-R-T-E-N-D-E-R, partender.com. And uh, there's videos there, and you can set up a live demo if you want, and uh, or you can go Go to your app store, download the Partender app, and uh, use it for free for 30 days and, and check it out. So I hope you'll do that and support our sponsor, Partender. All right, next we have a book of the week, and it's Tequila Mockingbird, Cocktails with a Literary Twist by Tim Federley. Well, it's summertime, and that means summer parties. Uh, what are you going to serve? This is a fun book with easy-to-make cocktails named after classic books. Uh, first-time bartenders, cocktail enthusiasts, well, you'll appreciate the ability to search by base spirit and bartending 101 tips. Uh, makes a great gift as well. So, uh, it, yeah, it's cool to uh, design a menu uh, around a certain theme, whether it's, uh, I heard somebody talking about, um, you know, they did uh, movies based around uh, Western movies, or they did a cocktail menu, I should say, based around Western, you know, old Westerns, and uh, that's pretty cool idea and uh well here's a here's a whole book about doing that type of thing uh with one 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 thing in mind uh, uh books literary uh a literary theme so uh come go over to bartenderjourney.net the posting that goes along with this show will have a uh, link it goes over to amazon and uh you click through and buy that book next we'll do a cocktail of the week it's the last word the last word's a uh, classic cocktail. Uh, we're talking with Tim Master in a, in a little bit about chartreuse, and this is a classic chartreuse cocktail, uh, and it's all equal parts, so it's e- easy to remember. Uh, equal parts, g- green chartreuse, maraschino liqueur, gin, and fresh lime juice. So uh, that's a great cocktail. You're going to stir that with ice, double strain it into a chilled coupe glass, and uh, you can serve that with a lime wheel. That's, that's a good garnish for that. So, uh, yeah. Make yourself a last word. All right, on to some tales of the cocktail coverage. Every day in the Hotel Monteleon lobby, there's uh, authors set up there at a table. They're usually two at a time, and they're there signing their books and chatting and uh, talking with people. So uh, I stopped by to say hello to Jim Meehan. Great to see you again. Good to be back. Yeah, so you're out in Portland now, right? Is, or- well, right now I'm in New Orleans trying to peddle this PDT cocktail book. <laughs> but yeah, I live in Portland, Oregon now. Yeah. How's that? How's how are you liking it out there? It's a beautiful place to live. Where my wife and I are loving it. Yeah. Yeah. What? Uh, any plans you can talk about yet? I've been working on a new book for the last two years, so that's been the primary focus, and that gets hopefully I'll be done working on that uh, at the end of the year, and I'll start to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. Yeah. That's great. It's a lot of work writing a book, huh? It is. <laughs> it's like having a baby, but uh, it's like being pre- actually I disagree with that. It's like being pregnant more than uh, having a baby. I guess the, the, when the books are released, that's when you, that's the, like birth, huh? Yeah, luckily they take care of themselves a little bit better uh, than than actual babies. So, and you turn the book into an app, right? Um, no, actually, I've adapted it. So the app and the book are quite different, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot, 
a lot of differences. There are all, you know, everything's, there's a thousand photos. The book is 300 recipes, the app is 400. I've taken out a lot of stuff that's in here and, and updated a lot of new stuff at PDT. So it's subtle, but they're quite different. And the, the, some of the criticisms of the book were, you know, no reference photos and how hard it is to search for a recipe because it's an A to Z book. So it's a lot, it's a database oriented app that's a lot easier to search. Sounds great. I got to download that. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, what, what do you see? I'm curious to hear your impressions of uh, where the industry's been headed over the last year or so and where it's going over the next year. I mean, it's just getting bigger. I mean, you can see it this year at Tails. It's expanding exponentially. Um, and, and I think that it's expanding in every direction. So I'm looking forward. I think Tails is, is the best place in the world to kind of get a pulse for what's going on in the industry. And looking forward to, to checking that out this week for sure. So many exciting things going on around. I mean, in, a lot going on. Yeah. It, it just kind of, the silly expression, but it raises the bar. Every time you see something amazing, you know, the next thing's got to kind of live up to it or top it. Well, I think that there's, there's a mixture. You know, there are new things that are amazing and that are raising the bar. There's extensions of the current um, state. And then there's also, you know, a sort of downward spiral that I think you could argue as well. So I mean, it's going in all directions. I think ultimately it's growing and, and I think that's a really positive thing. It's just nice to see all these, you know, young, new, uh, passionate faces here. I was just talking to somebody before, it's like, and then you, you sometimes you go back to your little market and you're like, why don't you people love this thing as much as I do, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they got to discover it on their own and it means something different to everyone. Well, thanks, it's great to see you, man. Jim, of course, is the founder of the great PDT bar in Lower Manhattan in uh, the East Village, and uh, that is a great place. If you don't know about it, you uh, you go into a place called Criff Dogs, which is just a like a restaurant where they serve hot dogs. So not even a restaurant, a tiny little counter really with a few tables. And then uh, there's an old timey phone booth in Criff Dogs, and you uh, you dial zero on the phone, and then somebody will come unlock the secret door inside the phone booth to let you into this amazing, amazing place. So uh, that was that was really fun. And uh, we spoke to Jim. Oh, we had a longer interview with Jim uh, a while ago, and we'll have to remember to put a link up to that uh, in the show notes that go along with the show, number 178. But you can also just go to bartenderjourney.net. On the main page there, the podcast page, you'll see a Google search bar on the right-hand side, the upper right. And uh, if you just type in Jim Meehan, you'll, uh, you'll find it that way. All right, next, I went to an event uh, by, sponsored by Hendrix Gin, and uh, they called it the Departure Lounge. So it was the last couple days of Tales, and uh, they set up this wonderful place. The, the concept was uh, if you had to check out of your hotel at 11, say, and your flight wasn't until 4, you could come uh, hang out at their lounge all day. And uh, they had wonderful food, amazing cocktails. The staff was incredible. You walked in, and they said, oh, you look hot. Here's a cool towel for you. Over here, we have uh, chair massages. Back there, there's somebody that can shine your shoes. There's what we call our gift shop in the back, which was a wall of swag, huge wall of swag. <laughs> you can just take whatever you want. And uh, they had some weird virtual reality thing, which I, I didn't do that one. But uh, uh, so, yeah, it was just wonderful. And then anyway, I started uh, speaking with a young lady who was sitting next to me. And turns out that she's a uh, blogger. She, she does a travel blog and she's a cocktail enthusiast. And her name is Jetta Bates. So we are here at the Hendrix Gin. Uh, lounge, which is sort of the pretty much the most civilized thing I've done all week. It's wonderful. They're so good to us. I just had a chair massage, and I'm sitting next to a lovely lady. And 
Tell me about yourself. Tell me your name and tell me about yourself. Hey there, I'm Jetta Bates Vasilados. I am a media contributor and I'm also a lifestyle and travel expert. I, that's quite a title. I like that. Oh, well, thank you very much. Oh, and wait, I forgot to add in cocktail enthusiast. <laughs> uh, we love cocktail enthusiasts. As, a, as, as bartender, I, I'm a member of the USBG. You know about that? Mm. And um, there's my pin. Yes, you and, do. Uh, so, um, but it, it's fun to see, like, we have enthusiasts are actually encouraged to join, you know? Yeah. Where do you live? Chicago. I'm in Chicago. Yep, in Chicago. It's got to be a USBG in Chicago. You should you should join. You have to join. Okay. Well, I'm just going to get on top of that. Yes. So this is your first Tales. How's this been for you? Okay, so I've lost my Tales virginity with a bang. Um, I have learned more. I have experienced more. I have tasted more. I have pushed the limits and the boundaries. Um, and I've seen some amazing events. Um, this Hendrix Lounge, though... Hendrix Air? Oh my God! Wait. So they are gonna take me to the airport. Then they're gonna they're gonna give me massages. They're giving me cocktails. They're giving me lamb sliders. I think I'm in love with them. Me too. Did you did you notice the gift shop? Oh uh, yeah, because I have a fan in my purse. I'm like, oh look at that. <laughs> this is a nice spot. I, I actually came here last year and for a there was a cocktail competition during during uh, tails last year and um, but this is a very nice spot. I, th I think they only opened this space. Uh, very recently. Well, within like the last year or so. It's new. Well, that's nice. one of the things, yeah, I love about New Orleans. Like, you can be walking down the street and you see something that, look, you know, the outside looks average. You go in and it's like, what? This space is very that. Um, I just, I'm telling you, I'm so glad they have this here. Couldn't think of a better place. So you're a travel expert. I want to be that. How do you become a tra travel expert? Well, this is interesting. <laughs> this is interesting. And I actually started out, I travel a lot for work. And I would always come in a day late, I mean, a day early, leave a day or two late, really get into the destinations. And the big thing for me is really encouraging people to live life and to go further and to push beyond their boundaries and get outside of their comfort zones and get outside the U.S., um, and just go out and see life, meet people, you know, I mean, experience life, meet, meet people, that kind of thing. Um, and I've been to close, fi close to 50 countries now, and um, I get a chance to meet cool people like you. You know, you're sitting at bars or places, um, and, you know, I, I, I blog about it, talk about it. Um, I'm on air about it. Actually, was on a show for Bravo as well, called Tour Group. Yeah, so it just uh, it just aired uh, in June of this year. So I'm saying all this to say <laughs> that um, it really is about. I think you can do anything you want to do. You are absolutely like proof of that because you know you've been sound engineer, interviewer, you know, all around fabulous dude, right? <laughs> so I think that if anybody could do it, I think you could do it. I always I always say to people. These, these days especially, you have to make your own luck. My God, you do. If you sit around and wait for anybody to give you anything, you will be sorely disappointed unless you were born into a rich family, and even then, you might get caught off, right? That's funny. <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> but you do have to go out there and do it. I remember 10 years ago when I said, okay, I really want to do travel and lifestyle. I just continue to talk, to talk about it, talk to friends about it, talk to people about it, talk to whoever would listen to me, and then trying to get published, you know, just continue to put it out there, put it out there, and then it, it happened. But it, it took a lot of work. It is a lot of work. <laughs> I mean, it's fun work. People, people have been saying to me all week, oh, so you're here working. I'm like, I pick up my drink and I say, if you want to call it that, we'll call it, yeah, let's call it work. <laughs> 
but it's good work. It's good work, yeah. but it's still work. Very time consuming. But hopefully people that listen to the show don't realize how much time I'm spending putting it together. It sounds like very smooth and uh, seamless. Right. But actually, it takes a really long time to do. <laughs> and a lot of thought. I, and, you know, it's not just about putting content up there, right? It's really about thinking through your audience, thinking about it. Or if you have a client, think about some of your clients' needs. It's a lot. And it, and you put a lot into it. And even though people are like, and I don't know if they do it to you, but I know my friends do it to me. Oh, right. You're at work, air quote. I'm like, yeah, so you're not saying that, you know, I put in 16-hour days and I'm running around with the client. All you're seeing is the good stuff. And I have, a, I have a flight at 5 a.m. tomorrow. Oh, God. Now that, I don't, oh, my God, I don't envy you on that one. <laughs> You're leaving straight from here, right? Yes, I am. That's actually, I, I, I'm actually not leaving straight from here. I'm leaving tomorrow, so, oh. but. Uh, I'm, like, so fascinated by your little situation here. The, uh, we're talking about my audio recorder. Yes. I just want to point that oh, out, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> we're talking about his technology. With, with audio, sometimes you have to point things out. <laughs> All right. There's no visual here. Technology. He was pointing to my little yes, audio recorder. <laughs> oh, you're so naughty. <laughs> See, I know what it's going to sound like when I right, right, get back right. home oh and I play this thing. And be like, God. what is she talking about? What is she saying? <laughs> she likes his little thing. What kind of podcast is this? <laughs> well, I do. I, I don't know. I, you say you don't listen to too many podcasts, but um, there is a thing where you, ha you can say either it's explicit or it's not. And iTunes will like, like if you curse one time on a podcast and it's not labeled as explicit, they will kick you, you kick really? your ass out. <laughs> so I, okay, I put edit that, right? <laughs> no, but I put explicit on mine just because just because it's about alcohol and people, right, minors are not supposed first. to be listening to it anyway, you know. Right? Are you over twenty one? Don't listen to this podcast. Yeah, well, you ever go to a liquor website and most of the time it says, "Are you over twenty one or not?" Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, but I've actually been cursing on my show less and less. I think uh, it's more civilized, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> if you're all about the civ but they do say that people who curse a lot can be trusted more. Really? He said, yeah, that's why I read on Facebook. At least. I've never heard that. <laughs> yeah. And everything you read on Facebook is correct. Yes, it, well, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, correct and accurate. Wait a minute. Now, what's my next cocktail? What am I getting next? Should I get another yeah, cocktail? Yeah, let's, let's, let's do another cocktail. Maybe we can share one. We'll order. We have some wonderful bartenders here. What's your name, my friend? Adrian from Paris. Thank you so much for hosting us. This is a wonderful event. My pleasure. My pleasure. What uh, we were just saying, maybe we'll share a cocktail. We'll order two of something. We don't know what yet. What would you recommend? Um, for you, the Saint Germain des Prés from Paris is the left side of the Seine River. Uh, it's a beautiful quartier, uh, which uh, well known for the arts and the cocktail bar, and uh, for these painters too. Then for you, I will recommend the Gin Basis Mash. The Gin Basis Mash was created by uh, George Meyer in Hamburg. Okay. He's, he's made me a Gin Bas Basil Smash before. He's awesome. I love him. Yes, yes, he's back. Whatever you say. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, yeah so uh, uh, my, my first cocktail when I got here today was a Gin Basil Smash. Yes. I took a picture of it. 
with your cocktail menu, and the, and of course you've attributed it to Jorg Meyer on the menu, and I tweeted him, and uh, so he knows that I'm here at Tales of the Cocktail drinking a gin basil smash, and he wrote back right away. Yeah. That's a great drink. Uh, maybe a, a Andrew's Icy, created by my friend. The first one he recommended was just the Yes, please. I'll have that one. One for you too. So, my pleasure. Thank you so much for talking. The uh, yeah, so the gin basil smash. It's uh, it's basically a gin sour with um, basil introduced. So he. Oh, your flight is delayed. That's terrible. You're gonna have to stay here longer. Oh my. <laughs> Life is tough. Yeah, sure is. Oh lord. <laughs> that's like, that's like the best thing that possibly could have happened to you right now. Yeah, pretty much. You know, it was funny when I, I booked my flight here and I told you I go to that out of that little, tiny little airport. Right. But you can't get there anywhere directly. You know, you have to go to Detroit. So it's um, it's Delta. So that's their hub. And, uh, but um, I booked my flight. I was like, I really don't want to go out of Newark or JFK. So. I booked a flight out of this little airport that I love so much. And then after I was done booking it, I was like, wait a minute. That's a three-leg trip. That's not a two-leg trip. That's a three-leg trip. That's bad. That is very bad. So, so I'm, a, I'm getting ready to check in online. And it says, your flight is a little delayed, but uh, don't worry. Click here to uh, reschedule or whatever, you know. So I rebooked. The flight left later than I was later than originally planned. It arrived earlier than originally planned, and it was a two-leg trip instead of a three-trip. So, same thing. Like, the best thing that could have possibly happened. <laughs> so, tell us again the name of your blog. It's called Jetta Setting. Jetta like the car, setting like sun. Jetta Setting. And I can't wait to check it out. Yes, JettaSetting.com. I had a blast having an impromptu com cocktail conversation with you. Yeah. That's what happens at Tales of Cocktail. You meet the most interesting people. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Jetta. Pleasure. Well, that was a lot of fun. We were just having a good old time, weren't we? So uh, next, we're going to talk to Tim Master from Chartreuse. All right, we're here with Tim Master. We've been recording all over this city. Today, we're right now, we're in the, in the room, so it's nice and quiet. So uh, I love chartreuse and didn't know much about it until I came to one of your um, your classes. What do you call it? what do you call that that class? It's the chartreuse experience. We wanted to recreate um, the experience that you have when you go visit the monastery and the distillery over in France, where they make chartreuse liqueur um, from the from the relaxed atmosphere to the family atmosphere to the history. Very nice. So, yeah, well, let's talk about that history. There's, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, it's amazing. Chartreuse liqueur, it, it's an amazing liqueur. It's, uh, if you, if you, would you know it pretty well, but if, if, people out, if everybody out there doesn't, it's a liqueur made from 130 herbs, spices, and flowers. Um, it's a secret recipe that's made by the Carthusian monks. The recipe was given to these monks about 400 years ago in 1605. This recipe was initially, this manuscript or this recipe was initially meant to, uh, for medicinal purposes, um, to heal people. And if you think back in the day, there was no medicine. So the only medicine you had was herbal remedies and alcohol. And, and if you knew that, say, 
limes cured scurvy or quinine might fix malaria. Well, if you have 130 herbs, spices, and flowers, you have the elixir of long life. <laughs> and that's what you had with chartreuse. It was basically, it was valued. And these monks had the way to, to heal the elixir of long life. And they came out with a green chartreuse. They came out with a yellow chartreuse, which is a little different, still with a bunch of herbs, spices, and flowers, just more spice-driven versus the green chartreuse, which everyone knows, which is more vegetal-driven and 110 proof. But it yeah. doesn't taste it. Yeah. And the yellow is what proof? The yellow is 80 proof. And it's the same herbs, spices, um, and flowers, 130 of them. It's just different proportions. They, uh, they do add a little bit of distilled honey to the yellow to sweeten it up. And so the, uh, the really fun fact is that only two people know the recipe, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. The, um, the Carthusian monks, which were first were founded in 1084 AD um, by St. Bruno. And St. Bruno was looking for a place to live in solitude, to pray. Um, and he was traveling with his six companions. So if you ever look at a bottle of, or if you see certain logos or emblems of chartreuse, you may see the cross, the chartreuse cross, and you'll see seven stars above the cross. Um, and that represents St. Bruno and his six companions. He searched for a place and he found solitude in a mountain region in the French Alps called the Chartreuse Mountains. And that's where the name chartreuse came from, not the color. The color was, came from the liqueur, actually. Um, it was, I told somebody that. She, wouldn't, she didn't believe me. I was like, uh, no, I'm telling you. I, she, didn't, she would not believe me. She might have been in fashion. <laughs> it's the big fight between fashion and history. <laughs> uh, so forgive me. Uh, so, uh, so you visited this place many times where it's made, yeah? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so the, the, these monks have been, you know, when he found this order um, in 1084, they built uh, throughout time. They built a monastery that housed over well over a hundred uh, monks. Um, now there's only about thirty nine monks in this monastery. Twenty fathers, nineteen brothers. Um, there's monasteries all around the world. There's one in Vermont. Um, they are not involved in making the liqueur. Only the monks, or only the two monks in La Grand Chartreuse in Chartreuse Mountains, which is the main monastery. Um, are responsible for making the chartreuse. And it wasn't until 1605, 600 years after the order was founded, where they finally got this manuscript. Prior to 1605, these monks, you know, obviously they wanted to live in prayer and solitude, but they did need money, you know, to sustain life and eat. Um, they were metallurgists, they were carpenters. Um, for a long time, they were making, taking, using trees from the woods to make ship masts. And um, at one point, I don't know if it was the 1500s, um, when the king shut the furnaces down because he wanted to preserve the trees, the forest, just like we do today, um, shut those furnaces down and the monks needed another way to make money. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when they got this recipe, the manuscript, which was given to the monks in Paris, in the monastery Volvert in Paris. It was given by the alchemist. So if you, today, the, old, the, the property that used to house the monastery in Paris is called the Luxembourg Garden in Saint-Germain. Okay. On the Luxembourg Garden is where the monastery was, and it was nicknamed, the road was nicknamed Angel's Way. Right next to Angel's Way was Devil's Road. <laughs> On the Devil's Road the, is where the alchemists lived. And the alchemists, they were the scientists. They were the ones that came up with this manuscript, this elixir of long life. So cool. 
Um, but n they could not administer this medicine. You know, they, they can't administer it. They're scientists. They're almost witch doctors. Only the hand of God could heal. So they knew they had to get the manuscript to the monks, which they did. Um, and it is at this time where the monks in Paris traveled down to La Grande Chartreuse to fulfill this recipe and complete this recipe and create it. It took 137 years, well, 132 years before the recipe was finally unraveled and the final product of the Elixir de Vegetal was created. And that was about 71% ABV. It might have been a little higher at that time. It's the true essence of chartreuse. It's comes it's like a bitters comes in a small bitter bottle it's served in a wooden case um and is what the monks used to sell and that's how they were healing and then our friend in 1764 our friend green chartreuse was created it was sweeter it was more palatable it was 110 proof not 140 whatever proof um it's what we know today is what we drink is the green chartreuse um as time went on, people enjoyed green chartreuse, um, and they decided to make a different version, a little bit sweeter version, a little bit more spice-forward version, and it was a little under 100 years later, maybe 50 years later, in 1838, that they created yellow chartreuse. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there we have our timeline. So 1838's the yellow chartreuse. Um, it was once said that the Queen of England... She loves a little yellow chartreuse in her champagne. Uh -huh. She would always drink that, and that was a fun little fact. Um, and then fast forward to 1964 when they decided to create an older version of chartreuse called VEP, Les Simons Exceptionnels Prolonge, very long aging, basically. Mm -hmm. um, when you take green chartreuse and yellow chartreuse, when you make it, you usually age it for about three to five years. In wood? In 50,000 liter vats, okay. wood, oak, Turkish or Russian, but not to impart flavor. The wood is, is void almost of, of the tannins. It's really a, a vessel to allow the liquid to, to sit and to, and to rest so it will marry all its flavors. Yeah. And that's, that's green and yellow chartreuse. If you let that sit basically for another 10 years, so 10 to 15 years, you have VEP. Oh, okay. And that's, that's what's out there. Now, in the United States, we don't get a lot of that. We, we only see about 100 or so cases of yellow VEP in the U.S. and maybe about 300 cases of green VEP in wow. the U.S. And it's about probably about a $70 difference, $140 a bottle. So. Mm -hmm. And we were lucky enough to uh, sample some of that at Deer Irving Day that day. That was that was a wonderful event. Yes, it's amazing if you can get your hands on it. Um, it's it's lovely to drink. Um, I always enjoy drinking green chartreuse mostly, or the green VEP, but green chartreuse um, with ice. You know, because I always hear people, you, you know, especially people who who may may be listening or, or, or enjoy cocktails, but don't make cocktails necessarily, and they see chartreuse on menus and in cocktail menus, you know, it is a co it is the cocktail bartender's darling among other yeah. spirits, but they use it in quarter ounces and half ounce portions, maybe as a base spirit in full portions. But I do get asked, well, what do you, how do you drink it? Mm -hmm. You know, I see it. Mm -hmm. What's it taste like? Well, mm -hmm. it tastes, how do you say it over the, over the radio? Mm -hmm. It's very vegetal. Yeah. It's 
it's a lingering uh, flavor in your mouth. The it's almost like a party in your mouth, so to speak. You get different flavors as, as it travels through your your palate. Um, there is alcohol present. It's it's lovely. Then add some ice. I love drinking green chartreuse on the rocks. Changes the flavor. Other flavors come out. They're softer. Um, that's wonderful. I love having it with di after dinner, and I love eating with chocolate. That, we tried that at, at the tasting, didn't we, at Deer Irving? Um, that was great, man. And then, uh, and then during unofficial bartenders' week, we had the outdoor event, and uh, yes. they made uh, hot chocolate with with uh, chartreuse, and it was amazing. That's the right. BDTs was especially amazing. Yeah, you enjoy that one. I love them all. That a little spice in there. Yeah, I, I I took that because all over the French, you know, in, when we go skiing here in Aspen and Vermont or wherever we go skiing, you know, we drink our beers, we drink our whiskey. All over the French Alps, they drink green chartreuse and hot chocolate. And it's warm and it's wonderful. So, yeah, we did that. Um, and that's a fun thing to play with. You could be as basic as just taking some nice chocolate, some milk, and green chartreuse. Or you can have some fun with it and add a little spice into it. Maybe add a different liqueur into it or a different maybe a tequila or a mezcal into it. And it's just amazing. It's great blending flavors. But then you take chartreuse. So now you have three different ways straight on the rocks. You can drink it in hot chocolate, which is delicious. And all of that brings certain flavors out. Then take another way and add juice to it. Pineapple juice, orange juice. And that's a whole other way to drink it. Unbelievable. Or just green chartreuse and tonic. Love that drink. Yes. Substitute a mojito and substitute your rum with green chartreuse and make a mojito. And that, again, another great drink. It's amazing. It's it is amazing. And I think that's an awesome upsell after dinner, you know, ch chocolate and chartreuse. I mean, you know, whether they're looking for a dessert or they're looking for an after-dinner drink, combine those and make – that's a great package to put together. Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. That is a, a nice way to, to finish the evening or if you're a bartender or a server, to bump up the check. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, mean, I mean, that could go – even after dessert, you could offer that as a, as a secondary dessert. You know, I was, I was just thinking the other day why dessert never has more than one course usually. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, and if you really want to have fun with chartreuse in your mid-course and say you're having foie gras, have some yellow chartreuse with the foie gras. Lovely together. Well, thanks. This is this was great, and I love to talk chartreuse with you, and I always run love running into you, Tim. It's great. Oh, thanks, Brian. This is excellent. Can't wait to see you again. Yeah, yeah. All right, bye now. That was great. Chartreuse, great stuff. You can make some really interesting cocktails with it, and uh, as we were discussing there, it goes amazingly well with chocolate. Isn't it crazy to think only two people in the world know uh, the recipe for it? That's so weird. Well, stay tuned for our toast. We do a toast at the end of the show. Uh, but first, I'll remind you, my name is Brian Visit-Weber. Thank you for listening. You can uh, find the website at bartenderjourney.net. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Barkeep Tips. You can find the Facebook page for Bartender Journey. Just search for Bartender Journey on Facebook. And uh, Instagram, I'm Bartender Journey as well. So I just did a course called Bar Methods, and uh, it was great. It was the first class, and it was a three days of education in Manhattan. Uh, hotels and meals included. It, it was a great bargain. I mean, beyond bargain. It was uh, it was highly sponsored by the uh, by some brands. Uh, so that was an amazing uh, amazing time, and uh, lots of knowledge and lots of great events for us, and made some uh, made some new friends. We there was fifty of us and uh, split into two different groups uh, for the classes, but we were all together uh, for, for the dinners and happy hours and things. And uh, 
Yeah, so you might want to look into that. Um, they haven't announced when the next class will be, uh, whether it's going to be another year from now or, or they're, they're actually hoping to do it. Um, you know, make make more of them than that may it do and do it around the country possibly. But uh, So it's barmethods.com, I believe. Yeah, barmethods.com. And I'll try to uh, remember to put a link up to that on the post that goes along with this show. And um, yeah, check it out. Oh, and we'll be talking to the organizers of the Bar Methods course, Suzanne Friedman and Chris Bitmead, in an upcoming episode, probably uh, probably next week. So stay tuned for that. Not don't stay tuned. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you get the new ones as soon as they become available. Downslo- downloads automatically right to your phone if you if you're subscribed. So uh, if you're on iPhone and you have you'll have the podcast app. It's on there. You couldn't even delete it if you wanted to if you wanted to. And uh, so you could just search for Bartender Journey, uh, hit subscribe and you'll get the new ones as soon as they become available. If you're on Android or other devices, uh, you can always go to bartenderjourney.net to listen to the show, but there's also a subscribe page on bartenderjourney.net with uh, some ways that uh, a few couple of easy steps that you can take to uh, to subscribe to the show if you're uh, whatever device you're using. So yeah, I have 49 new friends I made at uh, Bar Methods, and uh, so this toast here kind of applies uh, to the days and evenings that I've had over the last three days or so. So uh, here's our toast. Here's to the nights we can't remember with the friends we'll never forget. Cheers. We'll see you next time on Bartender Journey. From the first jingle of the crack guys to the last cooling sip, it's thoroughly delightful and refreshing.